We're talking Yukon Huskies' expectations and putting the season in context. And we're talking about it with head coach Gino Oriema. Locked on women's basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Locked on Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Megdahl, thanking you for making us your first listen every day. Locked on Women's Basketball today brought to you by FanDuel. Locked on Women's Basketball, of course, also powered by the newsroom we have at The Next, thenexthoops.com, where we have over 100 reported pieces Every month on women's basketball, subscribe right now. We've got a special 2023 WNBA free agency edition sale going on 23% off your normal price. Go ahead and support the work that is being done covering women's basketball. And of course, we cover all programs, but that includes the Yukon Huskies and the Yukon Huskies this year. It's like nothing I've ever seen. Teams go through injuries. They do. This is different. This is different. I spoke to Gino Oriama about it, but I want to put it in context here in segment one, hear from Gino about it as well. And then in segment two, we're going to talk about UConn in history and hear what Gino has to say about Connecticut and Tennessee. The two of them are playing Thursday night, of course. Uh, But it's bigger than that. It's bigger than one game about what it meant, what it means going forward. But first, think about this. And I hadn't even been thinking about it in these terms, but Gino pointed this out. UConn, from last year, lost three WNBA players off of that roster. Three. WNBA players, they lost Kristen Williams, they lost Davina Westbrook, they lost Olivia Nelson-Adota. So just start there. How many other programs could lose three players to the pros and manage that? I mean, go 500, be competitive in league. Maybe you work on an NIT bid. Almost impossible. But that is so much the tip of the iceberg when you think about this program. This is a program coming in to 2022-23, planning to rely on Paige Beckers, the transcendent top three talent in the WNBA draft 2024, only to see Paige Beckers go down with a knee injury She hasn't played this year. Imagine any other team losing just a player at or near Paige Becker's caliber, how you'd navigate it. Okay, fine. You lose the three starters. You lose Paige. AZ Fudd's back. AZ Fudd, a chance to be healthy, a chance to have the opportunity to get better. 
And she did when she's been out there. She's been unbelievably efficient. North of 60% from two, hitting 43.4% of her threes. Here's the thing. She's been out there nine games all season, just seven starts. She's not currently playing. There is no timetable for her return. Imagine most programs navigating just AZ FUD's loss for much of the year. Very, very difficult. It's There are rough analogs to just that. We had Kevin McGuff on the program yesterday. It was terrific. They've been navigating the loss of J.C. Sheldon, who's played in just five games this year, 19-1. and one. Very good. But it's AZ and it's Page. And it's three starters from last year. Dorka Juhas has played in only 13 games, future WNBA player. Aubrey Griffin has missed time this year, someone who I think has a chance to be a future WNBA player. Caroline Ducharme has played four games all season. Amari DeBerry, Ayanna Patterson, they, they've all missed time. The only two players, Nico Mule missed a game with a concussion. The only two players who have played in 20 games this year are Lou Lopez Seneschal, who came over from Fairfield last year, and Aaliyah Edwards, who has been a revelation. It should be all Big East first team. But it probably reached its logical absurdity. Oh, please, before we get to that, I'm sorry. Gina Oriema has missed time. Imagine most programs navigating the loss of an 11-time national champion coach. And Gino, who has missed time with illness, missed time after the loss of his mother. And we're obviously delighted to see Gino back on the sidelines, back talking to us. And wish him all the best. But it reached truly... It's absurdity. It's point of absurdity this past week. Jonathan the Husky is missing time, undergoing surgery. He's going to be out of action. No timetable for Jonathan the Husky's return. The mascot, you guys. UConn's missing time with the mascot. And a great mascot, by the way, an elite mascot, one of the best in the Big East. No offense to Butler Blue. But you just put this all together and you say, all right, what's reasonable? What's expectations? How do you manage it? Because here's what they've done. Here's what they've done. They're number two in the country going into Thursday night's game against Tennessee. They are 18-2 and two this year. 18 and 2. They have the seventh most efficient offense in the country, 112.2 points per 100 possessions, and the 17th best defense in the country, 79.7 points per 100 possessions. They are, if you go by points per scoring attempt, first in the country. They are atop the nation in field goal percentage at 52.3%. Their rebound rate of 59.5% is fourth in the country. There's no page backers all year, and they are tops in the country in assists per game at 
I, I don't even know what to say about it. It's mind boggling. They're clearly in the running to reach the final four. They are clearly in the running of what is and a wide open national championship path with apologies to Stanford and South Carolina, who I think are clearly the two best in whatever order you care to put them in, but clearly an opportunity. And we'll get to see UConn and what they're able to do without AZ, without Page, presumably without AZ, on February 5th when South Carolina comes to town. But they're doing all of this. It's just this inevitability of UConn. The last time the UConn Huskies failed to reach the final four. My daughter, who was being bought mitzvah this year, was minus three years old. The last time they failed to reach the final four, my younger daughter, who was old enough to now play on a travel team, was minus seven years old. Where were you in 2007? How much have you done since 2007? How many things have you even done every year since 2007? Let alone gone to a Final Four. But is that fair? Is that fair to ask of the Yukon Huskies? So, that is what I asked Gino Oriema. What are the expectations? How do you set them? And we're going to hear from Gino. Hear what he says himself. This is Locked On Women's Basketball. And I am Howard Megdahl. Locked On Women's Basketball is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here. And as a result, we are excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On. They are the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, it's even better because they have a lot of features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has all your favorite bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Gino Oriam himself talks about this, too. In the women's game, there must be parity in terms of betting. And FanDuel has offered that and has an increasing number of women's sports options. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Where, obviously, so much has gone wrong. I mean, you know, literally right down to losing Jonathan the Husky for a time for injury. I just wonder when you think about, like, how you set expectations here and the way in which you communicate that to, that to your team, how it's changed, if it's changed. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the, the past um, 
you know, we've, we've had to deal in the past with um, a particular player uh, being lost for either the season or uh, an extended period of time. At a time where we had so much depth that it was recoverable uh, until the end of March. And then, then it wasn't, you know, you got to a certain point where all of a sudden, you know, you needed that kid or those two. Um, but never to this extent and this often, you know, and especially coming off of COVID, you know, um, so the uncertainty and the um, the goals that we have for ourselves. Uh, if you'd have been here in June during summer school and you see our workouts, and and then later, you know, before Caroline had her surgery, actually, and you see those workouts, and you look out there and um, and you see Paige and. Nika and AZ and Caroline and Aubrey and Dorka and Aaliyah. And, and it just, you know, and, and, then, and then you throw Lou into the mix and, and it just looked like it was gonna be so much fun and, and there wasn't anything that we could imagine that we wanted to do that we couldn't do. Uh, and then little by little, it started to um, to disappear, you know. Um, and then you would get something back, and then you lose something. Then you get something back, and then you lose something. And it's just a constant, you know, punch in the gut. Never a final one. Like with Paige, it was final. You know, okay, done. With Ice, you know, it was final. That's it, done. But with these other guys, it's touch and go, maybe, when, how long. And it's so frustrating for the players, for us as coaches, uh, our team, but mostly for the kids that are affected. And through it all, though, going back all those other years, it's always been, if we have five guys, we'll figure it out. And we may not, we may not win. You know, we we may came up, we may come up short. And the Maryland example, Maryland game at Maryland is a perfect example of that. I mean, we went down there in probably the worst physical situation you can be in, and we're down five with you know three or four minutes to go, and somehow we found a way to hang in there. And if we hadn't turned the ball over so many times, we may have given ourselves a chance to win. Um, so the message now, and the players have really bought in, the message is, is pretty simple. Now it's come to practice. Let's find out who's here that day. And that's our team. And let's get ready for, for our next game. And then let's show up on game day. And let's see if it's the same guys that were at practice. <laughs> and 
let's get ready to, to play and let's go win this game. And after that game's over, we go and we start all over again. Hmm. So it's, it's, believe me, it's not ideal. No one wants to be going through this. But it's quite remarkable the way these kids have, have responded and how resilient they've been through all this. Um, you know, you think about we lost three, we lost three starters to the WNBA, right? And then we lose three more starters, you know, when Paige, AZ, and Caroline go down. And you, you just say, how can you, how can you recover from all that? And it's not like you can go and, you know, pick up five free agents, bring people off the taxi squad, go down to the G League and get a couple of people. So, and then you add on all the minutes that they have to play. And practice becomes not really practice. It becomes all dress rehearsals almost. And then you go in the game and you see these bizarre things happening and people go, I've never seen a Connecticut team do that. So, yeah, well, come to our practice. You'll see things you'll never seen before in your life. You know, like us being okay with them, you know, practicing 45 minutes or, you know. Um, so it's, it's a different world that we're living in, obviously. But they've been so strong and, and so positive and, and they've earned our trust. You know, um, they know we trust them. And because we've given them that responsibility, they feel empowered and they're, they're responding. I mean, we could go down to Tennessee and get blown out. I mean, how the hell, I know? How the hell do I know? And, the, and, and to add to that, the schedule doesn't help, you know, except for when DePaul game got canceled and rescheduled for the other night, we don't have two consecutive home games. Hmm. So we don't have a chance to come home and recover. We're home one day, practice, get on a plane, go someplace. You know, and now we're at Tennessee. We just got done with DePaul. Now we're at Tennessee. We come back, we got Villanova, who's probably a, as good as the best team in the league besides us at this point. And then I don't even know who the hell we have after that. Anybody know? Providence. Providence at Providence. Then we got ten, uh, South Carolina, right? Mm -hmm. And then after them, who's, who's that? Marquette at Marquette? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm treating it as an NBA coach. Right. I look up, who are we playing? Who we got available? All right, let's go. Let's do our thing we lose uh where are we eating and uh how good's the wine going to be depending on how we play thank you gino appreciate it you're welcome i think we have one more um i hope i pronounce your name correctly is it karthik you can go ahead Coach, uh, karthik, we're over in knoxville uh my question for you is uh you know with it being the last game of the the pat summit week if you could just you know, give your comments on the, the Pat Summit legacy and what it was like for you to go up against her. Um, you know, I, I go, I go both, 
I go both ways in that, you know? Um, obviously, part of me thinks that if it wasn't for that relationship, if Pat wasn't the coach at Tennessee and I wasn't the coach here at Connecticut and we didn't have the kind of games and the kind of intensity, you know, playing each other in four national championship games, semifinal games, um, that, you know, neither of us would be where we got to. We wouldn't have gotten to where we got to and they wouldn't have gotten to where they got to. And we, we helped each other. And, you know, coaching against Pat and having Pat, you know, in the league or in the, in, in the world of women's basketball. Um, it's like, you know, Dean Smith and Mike Krzyzewski and, you know, John Wooden, you know, people that have been at their school for a long time and accomplished a lot and become synonymous with, you know, with winning and excellence and all that. So that's part, that's, that's this half of my brain. The other half of my brain is at some point, you know, you got to be fair to the kids that are playing there now and the coaches that are coaching there now and understand that, you know, at some point this has got to be about them more than anything else, you know? And, and I, cause I think sometimes the pressure of having to live up to that legacy of, you know, carrying on that legacy and, you know, in her name and, um, you know, keeping the, the flame burning. Wow, all that's really good. Um, at some point, it's, it's got to take a little bit of a backseat to what Kelly's trying to do and the program she's trying to build and what her players are trying to do and you know, and how they're going about trying to win a national championship. And, and, and the danger there is, you know, every time Tennessee loses a game that people think they shouldn't have lost, ah, Pat wouldn't have lost that game. You know, what's wrong with this program? You know, I mean, you know, meanwhile, you know, 99% of the schools in America would trade places with them in a heartbeat. Um, so, um, I admire what we had. I appreciate what we had. I loved every minute of it. The fans loved it. The media loved it. The players loved it. Everybody loved it. Media loved it. TV. Hell, the only reason we started playing twice was because the game was on CBS and ESPN wanted one. When does that ever happen anymore? Hey, play the best team in the country twice. Why? Because we want one on TV. CBS got one. We got. We want one too. Everybody loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. But times have changed. You know, it's, when I leave here, it's time to move on. You know, it's time to move on. And you know, 
Kelly needs the space. The players need the space. The program needs the space to grow at their own pace, at, to write their own story. And, you know, Kelly handles it amazingly well. So not the easiest thing in the world to do that. You know, and you see it happening everywhere when a legendary coach steps down. You know, and in Pat's case, you know, you you pass way too early. So that's my that's my take on that. And um, and we're playing them in football. Anna, don't we play them in football this coming year? Yes. Right? I can't believe we got to go to their place. Get them up here to Branchner Field or, or Dylan. Just squeeze them all in there and see what happens. Think we could do that? Uh, I'll, I'll look into it for you. Okay, sure. How many of those 110,000 that are going to be at Nyland Stadium? All right. Well, if there's nothing else, then thank you, Coach. See some of you in Knoxville. Are we playing them in men's basketball? Tennessee? No. Thanks for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen today. Now make your second listen, Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts.